Grace and peace, Waterstone Community Church. We welcome all who are listening. We're grateful that you've joined us today. As we continue to lament and um, pray for our tense and hurting community in light of recent events, uh, we want to direct your attention to our website where Paul Joslin and our elders, they've uh, written a statement about uh, the gospel and how it speaks to the issue of racism. And we'd like to invite your conversation. And uh, there's ways that you can respond to what's going on in the community around us as well. So uh, please check that out. And in light of uh, that, we, we want to pray this morning uh, from Psalm 27, a psalm that was read at the beginning of the funeral last week in Minneapolis for George Floyd. Let's pray. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Amen. Waterstone, we are glad to say that uh, we are entering uh, phase two uh, in our reopening plan, and that means that June 21st, we are planning to have an outdoor service. Woohoo! We are excited about that. It's going to be at 9 o'clock, uh, June 21st, June 28th, out in the west parking lot. So uh, bring your lawn chairs, bring some sidewalk chalk, and uh, we'll be shouting to the Lord with social distancing and uh, having a good time being Waterstone together. And then today, Waterstone is a marker kind of day. It's a history-making day at Waterstone as we are going to be talking about uh, the Resilience Church, uh, a new church being planted in the Lakewood area. Our mission at Waterstone is to be a community empowered by the presence of Christ that enables us to proclaim his kingdom and demonstrate his love, mercy, and justice to our neighbor. And one of the ways that we do that, proclaim his kingdom, and one of the ways that the presence of Christ is seen in our world is through new churches being started. And so today we are so excited to have Danielle Reeves with us, who is the lead pastor of Resilience Church. Danielle was on our staff for over 20 years, but last summer the Lord started to move in her heart and she sensed the call to go plant a very unique church in the Lakewood community. So we're excited to have Danielle here with us today. She's going to talk about uh, why plant a church, a biblical basis for church planting, and then talk to us about Resilience Church. Danielle, welcome. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I thought I'd spend a little bit of time and just catch you up on some of what's happened since last summer. Church planting for me uh, has been full-time since last September, and a whole wide range of emotions that have come up since then. 
If I think back to December, that was the month that Larry initially kind of came to me and said, hey, what if we had you come and preach at Waterstone in June? And really that just left me with this emotion of, of gratitude. Waterstone has been such a formative part of my life. Uh, Waterstone has poured into me. You as a a community have poured into me. And so just to get the chance to come back and say thank you and cast vision for what God is doing in my life and in our community was just really exciting. Then in January, I felt really encouraged because things started to pick up. When you look at church planting, you're uh, planning way ahead of time. We're planning on launching this fall. And so in January, we started pulling people together on what we call our launch team. Those are uh, individuals who are interested in possibly coming along. Some from Waterstone, a number of people from the community. We hosted our first launch meeting and had 40 people there. So just all sorts of excitement around that. In February, I was really grateful for the relationships that we started developing in the community of Lakewood. Spent a lot of time with the Lakewood Pastors Group. I'm now a part of that community. Built some relationships with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and are really looking forward to the partnerships we have with them. And then I'm really excited because we had the opportunity to adopt Fletcher Miller as our school. Just like Waterstone has adopted Chatfield and we invest in the Chatfield students and in the teachers, Resilience Church was able to adopt uh, Fletcher Miller. And Fletcher Miller, for those of you who don't know, is the, the school in Jefferson County that's for kids with disabilities. So we're super, super excited about that. In the beginning of March, our team went to a, a training in Florida. It was called the Exponential Conference. It's for church planters. And we began to dream about what was to come. We got all sorts of exciting ideas and really connected together as a team and just kind of came back pumped up and ready to go. And then the pandemic hit. During the first few weeks of the pandemic, I actually felt really optimistic. I kind of had this short-term vision in mind. I was thinking about what are some ways that we can connect with people during this season. Um, Our team set up our Facebook account and our Instagram then just to find ways for us to connect. We did all sorts of fun get-to-know-you questions, and people really engaged. We quickly grew to a group of 300 on Facebook, and it's just a simple way to connect with people outside of our houses. But then one week became two weeks, became three weeks, and things started to change for me. The further we got down into into the lockdown, into shutdown, into into being at home, the more um, issues began to arise that were really impacting me. I felt incredibly burdened when my husband, David, (laughs) who works at a local hospital, started coming home completely overwhelmed with the number of COVID patients that he was seeing that were either really sick or dying. I felt empathetic when a friend came to me and asked if the goodness of God was real, and if so, why wasn't that evident in the midst of all that was going on? I felt helpless as my friends who are single began to call and were, were in this space of feeling like there was no way out. They didn't have anyone to talk to. Things began to feel really hopeless for them. I felt anxious thinking about my friends who were navigating working from home and also helping their kids walk through all of the different responsibilities that they needed to do online. Honestly, by the time mid-May rolled around, I was feeling completely overwhelmed with all that was going on. And as my preaching date was getting closer and closer, all I could think in my mind was, how in the world do you plant a church in the middle of a pandemic? Then it was May 25th. 
the day racism reared its head in a way we could no longer ignore. The day the world woke up to the reality that racial inequalities infiltrate the core of our country, something we've lived in denial around for centuries. The day I was reminded that the color of my skin allows me opportunities and protects me from biases in a way that is completely different from my friend Mary, who's pictured here. The day I realized that my black friends can't heal until there is systemic change and that it is my responsibility to be an active participant in that change. This past week left me feeling sad and angry and disoriented about the racial injustices that have played out in front of us again and again and again. We need transformation because racism isn't going to end until there is a significant change in our hearts. This season has left me wrestling with the timing of planting a new church, but the more that I've prayed, the more that I've talked to other church planters, the more that I've in, um, talked to people that, that speak into my life, the more that I've realized and am convinced now more than any other time in my life that we need new churches. Church communities are the best place for life change to occur. We are in desperate need of that kind of change. So this is actually the perfect time to plant a new church because the extension of Christ's kingdom is the very hope that our city and our nation and our world needs. So it is my pleasure to let you know a little bit about church planting because I really believe with all that I am and all that I know that it is the future extension of God's kingdom in a world that is looking for something bigger than ourselves. As I've thought about church planting and as I've talked to a number of people around church planting, I've realized that there is a misconception around church, what church planting is and what church planting isn't. In fact, I don't know about you, but for me, there have been seasons in my life where the phrase church planting actually left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. So I thought it would be helpful to start out by kind of talking through some of what church planting is not. Church planting is not a topic that is just for adults. You've got to check out this week's Waterstones Kids video lesson for firsthand evidence of that. This week, the kids are the ones that lead the worship, they lead the, um, the lesson, they are engaging with scripture, and they're talking about what the church is based off of what the Bible says. Church planting is for everyone. Church planting is not something that just happens overseas and in other countries. Church planting is not a church split or a platform to part ways because of unresolved issues. Church planting is not reserved for a few select people who have seminary training or entrepreneurial experience. It's not a form of door-to-door -door evangelism. That is key. I know there are a lot of people out there that want nothing to do, to, church, uh, to do with church planting because they're worried that if you're part of a church plant, that's the requirement. Church planting is not a form of door-to-door -door evangelism. It's not a place where we're handing out brochures about Jesus. And it's not about creating an institution, a building, or a program. Church planting is about extending God's kingdom community. It's the very thing that Waterstone is all about. It's the mission 
of extending God's kingdom for God's glory. It's about making disciples who are learning to love like Jesus while also living out kingdom ethics. As our kids noted in their video, there are a number of places in the New Testament that actually talk about this kingdom expansion through, the, through God's people. But one of those places that stand out to me is in the book of Matthew. At the very end of the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, is a story. And it's the tail end. Let me set it up for you a little bit. Jesus um, died. He was, he was resurrected. And he's engaging with his disciples. He's spending time with them. And just before he ascends back to the Father, he instructs his followers to do the thing that for him is the most important thing. This passage is known as the Great Commission, and it's the last command Jesus gives before, before he goes. So you know that it's really, really important. So I want to read it for us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In order to clearly state Jesus' position of authority, the writer of Matthew starts by explaining to us who Jesus is. It, the whole, this whole passage opens with the idea that Jesus is the king. He is God the Son who died on behalf of all humanity to, to pay the price for our sinful fallen nature. He's the one who rose again, defeating death and sin, and establishing his kingdom rule and reign here on earth. He is the hope that God promised. He is the hope and the faith to the, um, that God promised in the Old Testament. God's faithfulness is here in Jesus. At the time the book of Matthew was written, the rulers and authorities in that community invoked oppression, injustice, and death upon the people. Jesus' kingship brought hope to a community that was looking for something, that was looking for someone to step in and do something. His kingdom agenda promised the redemption of all things on earth as they are in heaven. Jesus came and he flipped the power dynamics. He gave voice to the voiceless. As people were transformed by this, as Jesus engaged people's lives, as his grace found them, their lives were transformed and they gave Jesus their allegiance. They gave him their loyalty. This was the moment, this was the start of the kingdom community that we now know as the church. This was the beginning of those who came together to follow Jesus and were committed to him and were all in to do what he came to do because they saw the transformation that happened in their own lives. It's this group that Jesus gives his instructions to, and it's this group that we need to recognize we're a part of as the church. So the first part of this passage, after Matthew sets up kind of the authority of Jesus, it goes into um, the first two words, and it says, therefore, go. Now, this, those two words are oftentimes used to um, set up what, with a stereotype of what it looks like to go and share the gospel. And the downside of this is that it's actually a misrepresentation of what going means, 
I don't know if this strikes you, but at times we've used that passage to justify going and almost beating people over the head with the gospel. If you've ever been on the receiving side of that, it, you, you're left feeling manipulated and you're left struggling to notice what the good news is because you almost feel like it's a bait and a switch. When Jesus, when Matthew writes, therefore go, that's not what he's talking about. The commandment isn't to go. In fact, the assumption is that as followers of Jesus, we're already going. The going is in the activity. The going is in being active participants of God's kingdom agenda. The going is the assumption that we're living life together, that we're doing community together, that we're not just holding on to the good news that Jesus gave us, but we're walking life with people that don't know that good news because in walking life together, something happens. People to begin to see the light. So when we hear that phrase, therefore go, we need to be really careful that we're not misunderstanding and using that as a reason to go and just bring people to Christ because it's much more than that. The next two words are the important part. The command isn't to go, the command is to make disciples. So it's, it's that we are to make disciples as we're going, as we're being active, as we're engaging one another, as we're journeying together as a community, we're to make disciples. The main role of the, the kingdom community is that. It's to engage one another. It's to journey together. Discipleship isn't a program that we develop. It's not a 10-minute conversation we have with someone in hopes of seeing change. And it's not a checklist we mark off of our own spiritual betterment. I think for some of us, that's what discipleship has unintentionally become. Discipleship is so much more than that. In fact, discipleship, if you think about a list that we need to check off, discipleship doesn't sound like anything, you know, it, it sounds like a chore. But when you, we understand the true understanding of discipleship, it's life on life. It's walking life together with one another. It's the long haul. It's the marathon instead of the sprint. It's the vulnerability that comes with engaging one another in relationship. It's what it's like to, to join together with somebody who's wrestling with something, and we're, we're doing the hard parts of life together. It's the willingness to continue in our own process of transformation and heart change as we learn to love like Jesus and engage his kingdom ethics side by side. Transformation and heart change happens in the context of community. When we look at all that's going on in the world and then we individualize ourselves and we separate ourselves, we're actually keeping ourselves from the transformation that Jesus has for us. It's in coming together as a community with those who are different from us that true transformation happens. And that's why Jesus' main instruction to the church is to make disciples. It's making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If we make disciples and the process starts there, we've missed the discipleship process. So there are two aspects in this passage that really kind of hone in on what discipleship looks like. The first is baptism. Baptism is the public proclamation that states, I'm part of this community who is following Jesus the King. Now if you think about a culture where, it may have, uh, where, where you're choosing to follow one king or another, you're choosing to follow an earthly king 
or a heavenly king, you're risking what the, what the consequences may be to follow the heavenly king because the earthly king is so oppressive. It's a risk. For the early church, it was a risk to do public baptism. I think sometimes we take that for granted. But part of discipleship is just that. It is the opportunity to make a public declaration, a public stance that we are followers of Jesus. And there's power in that. We don't make that public declaration just to make the public declaration. We make the public declaration because it becomes the light in the world. It shows people that there's something, the change that has happened in us is available to them as well. The second part of discipleship that we see in this passage is around teaching. Now, sometimes in teaching we think about, okay, we're going to go to a class, we're going to learn some information, and then that's the end of it. But again, remember, true discipleship is a process, and it's a long process. So teaching is ongoing. It's the ongoing journey of learning to understand what the king wants from us. It's not just the passing along of data, um, of a list of things to do, but it's actually modeling the kingdom ethics Jesus taught us. It's modeling what it means to care for the poor. It's modeling what it means to stand up for the oppressed. It's modeling what it means to take care of the immigrant and the widow and the orphan and those in prison. We think of discipleship at times as kind of this easy thing to do. But when we really start to dig into the passage, when we really start to to discover what the author Matthew wanted us to know about Jesus' invitation, there's nothing about it that's easy. And that's the part about it that's exciting. Taking up our cross and following Jesus is, is, opens up a world of opportunity, not for us, but for him. Because it's in stepping into those hard places and modeling that teaching that he's given to us that others begin to capture, capture a glimpse of it as well. So we've got this idea that Jesus is the king, that he's invited into this place of discipleship, that discipleship is a natural outpouring of, of going, that we should already be going and spending time with one another, spending time in the Christian community, but spending time in the world, reflecting God's love to those around us, and that that should be inviting people into this desire to gather as well. And then the passage ends with this one line. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with us in the process of discipleship. That means that during the times when I feel completely inadequate and feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, Jesus is with me. When I'm walking life together with someone and I I am not sure what to say, Jesus is with me. When walking through life side by side, sometimes it means that there are sacrifices. I may have to give up what I want for the other. And sometimes I want to hold on. I want to hold on to what I think is right or what I think my rights are. But part of this journey, part of recognizing that Jesus is with us is realizing that, again, it takes sacrifice. We need to give things up so that Jesus can step in. When things feel messy and uncertain, In the midst of journeying together, Jesus is there. I realized as I was processing this this, that sometimes I think my tendency is to shy away from situations that feel challenging, and especially those that are vulnerable. And in in thinking about this, I actually miss out on an opportunity 
to be in the midst of Jesus' presence. Because this part of the passage, this I am surely with you always, it's in walking life together, it's in being part of that discipleship community, it's in being part of that kingdom community that Jesus is there. So he invites us into this space. This is just as true corporately as it is individually. In the United States, we tend to think of everything as far as um, me and you, you and I, it's just me. But the biblical writers in that uh, culture, everything was corporate. And so we really need to make sure that we're not staying in this individual space. We need to realize that there's a corporate space here. And that's when Jesus is talking to us as the church. As a church, we have a responsibility to disciple other churches, to disciple other churches, to disciple other churches. We see this in the book of Acts again and again. The early church didn't just disciple the individuals, they made sacrifices for congregations that they'd never even met before. They cared for the marginalized and stood up against injustices together. They shared what they had and with others knowing that Jesus was with them, that they didn't need to worry about whether they would run out of what they needed because when Jesus is involved, there's enough for everyone. As a result of the actions of the early church, God's kingdom reach expanded beyond what one church could accomplish on its own. It's that idea that Waterstone is so committed to. If you look historically, it is in the midst of plagues and pandemics and hardship that the expansion of the church doesn't stop. In fact, oftentimes it increases its speed. Waterstone has been so transformative and so, in their commitment to the mission to advance God's kingdom for his glory because there's wisdom and there's truth and there's responsibility in becoming a church that plants other churches. In fact, you've had such a big impact on us as Resilience Church, we're already starting to look at what does it look like for us to plant another church. You've discipled us, how do we disciple others? So Waterstone is committed to church planting because God is in the middle of establishing new church communities. It's the key to the advancement of the kingdom. So when I look back at this journey these last few months and I think about the pain and the suffering and the injustices that are all around, it isn't a deterrent to planting a new church. It's the very reason we are launching Resilience Church this fall. Church communities are the best context for life change to occur. And the good news of Jesus' kingdom reign is the very hope our world needs right now. So, I want to invite you. I want to invite you into the role of church planting. I want to invite you because part of being a follower of Jesus means that we have a responsibility to step in and be part of that kingdom advancement. We want, um, we, I want to invite you into the expansion of Christ Church, and I want to say something specifically to our kids and our students who are watching. You are included in this. You are the church. You are Christ's extension of his love and his grace and his mercy around the world. Your participation is vital in God's expanding, in expansion of his kingdom, and we adults can't do it without you. So I want to invite you to think through how can you get involved? 
What is, how is um, God inviting you to take one small step to participate in what it looks like to start his new church? So the question for all of us, if we all have a responsibility to, to take a role in church planting and extending that kingdom reach, where is God inviting you to participate? As we continue to foster the relationship between Waterstone and Resilience Church, I want uh, to offer you three areas of involvement to consider. The first is to pray. Prayer is, has to be at the forefront of all that we do. Jesus modeled this in the Lord's Prayer. If you think about the Lord's Prayer, Jesus is praying, your, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need your prayers. We need you to pray that God's kingdom will expand here on earth through Waterstone, but we're asking you to pray for Resilience Church. So there's a couple practical ways for you to get involved in prayer. And as I'm talking, I'm, I'm going to give you this information later, but I just want to encourage you, if you would like to pull up another um, tab on your browser and go to resiliencechurch.org, you'll see these different opportunities listed on our info page. Um, but the first thing that we want to invite you into is becoming part of our Resilience Church prayer team. Let us email you the different requests that we have so that you know some of the specifics that are going on because we value your prayers, we need your prayers. A second idea, what if you put a day on the calendar to pray for our church each week? Kids, that's something that you could do. And students, get with some of your other student leaders. We would love for you to put, it, put, some, put down some regular uh, schedule for praying for us. What if you pray with your small group or as a family or with your friends or neighbors? There's power when two or three are gathered in Jesus' name. And so we would love to invite you to get involved in prayer in, in some way of praying for us as a church. The second opportunity to get involved is to give. I don't know if you know this, but in the early church, the only way that um, churches expanded was with the help, oftentimes the financial help with existing churches. That's true today. New churches don't launch and can't launch without the assistance of existing churches. In fact, it takes new churches three to four years to be self-sufficient, not because new churches aren't taking care of their funds, but because if you think about it, the whole goal of a new church is to reach out to people that don't have a church home or don't know Jesus. And when discipleship is a process and it takes time, it takes time for people to understand the gift that's behind generosity and giving. So giving is a huge piece. It's a huge opportunity. And there's a, couple, uh, there's a couple different ways that you can give. One is that on our website, you'll see a donate button. And we would love to invite you to be a monthly giver. Monthly givers um, just give us the opportunity for some consistency. So when you give a monthly gift, it helps us to plan our budget. One of the other misconceptions about church planting is that church plants don't need money until the doors open. But if you think about it, we've got to get everything prepared leading up to that opening date. So the month, your monthly gift really helps us do that well. Another opportunity is to give a one-time gift. And I just want to pause and say, as we talk about giving, I think there have been periods in my life where I thought, well, I don't have much to give, so I'm not sure that there's any value of it. And I want you to know that giving is about where you're giving from, it's not about giving to a project or an event. 
It's about the transformation that's happened inside of us where God prompts us to share our generosity with others. And generosity for you might be like a friend of mine who invested $5 a month monthly. Or it might be the awesome high school student that donated a one-time $10 gift. Your gifts are valuable because they're part of a team. We need to do this together, and any gift that you um, are interested in giving, we would, we would love to partner with you in that. The other giving opportunity is that um, if you are an investor, if you're someone who invests in spaces, we're actually looking at a space in the Lakewood area where we're planting, and we're looking for partners. So if that's something that you're interested in, there's a place on the front of our website that you can actually send a personal note and would love to talk to you and give you, give you connections and give you more information. So pray, give, and then the last one is to go. One of Waterstone's goals has always been to help us launch well. Uh, they have done it incredibly well. And so in order to do so, we need people to help in several ways. One is an opportunity for you to volunteer to partner with us as we get the church up and running over the next few months. There are all sorts of skills that we need. Um, so if you're interested and you want to know more, would love to invite you to just, again, message me and we'll, we'll get you connected. Second one is come and join us as we serve Lakewood and volunteer in the community. We got to go downtown last week and uh, serve down at City, City, City Civic Center Park as we cleaned up and just showed our support both, both for peaceful protesters and also for our city. So join us for events like that. Join us as we engage with Fletcher Miller School. Uh, we got to celebrate their graduates this, a couple of weeks ago. And so all sorts of opportunities there. Another one, tell your friends and family about Resilience Church. You may know people who are looking for a place to connect, and we would love to be that place for them. And then finally, consider coming with us. Waterstone has cast vision to send 100 people with, to Resilience Church. And if you're listening and, and God's doing something in your heart and you kind of feel that that churning inside of you. Again, would love to have a conversation with you. Uh, there's all sorts of opportunities and would love to just give you more details. All right. We would love to know how you decide to get involved. So take a quick minute, go to our website, fill out the form that's at the top. Um, there's also, as I said, a place to write a quick message. So if you want to talk about something more specific, I'm happy to do that with you. But we just would really love to hear from you. And then I also want to encourage you to visit our Facebook and Instagram. Um, great way to follow us and kind of stay up to date on everything that is going on. So I just want to close by saying thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for investing in us as a church and discipling us to disciple others. I am so excited to be part of what God is doing through Resilience Church, and I'm so excited to partner with all of you. Thank you. How do we respond to uh, this message? Pray, give, and go. Pray. Make Resilience Church part of your rhythm. As Danielle said, pray at dinner. Uh, have it on your refrigerator, the name Resilience Church, your drive to work. We're asking every attender and every part of our family at Waterstone to pray for Resilience Church, at least for these next six months as they launch. So pray, give. As Danielle said, we, we need monthly givers. We want monthly givers, but also... 
we're taking a special offering here at Waterstone during the month of June. We're asking you, you can do this on our website or you can, on our website page, hit the Resilience Church button and it will take you right to the Resilience Church website and you can give towards a special offering and that will go to help Resilience Church buy their cameras and sound equipment for uh, live streaming. We are are hoping to raise $15,000 from Waterstone during the month of June to help Resilience Church launch their live stream when they get ready to launch. So please give generously during the month of June a special gift towards Resilient Church. And then finally, go. Look, um, Let's be honest, some of you really need to think about this. You may have reached a point and especially become apparent during the pandemic as we've not been able to gather that maybe in your spiritual journey you've reached a plateau or you're bored or you sense uh, uh, that you need a renewed call to ministry. I want to specifically challenge you to ask if you should be thinking about going with Resilience Church to help them launch just for a new part on your spiritual journey. I want to remind you, Waterstone, that we started here at Waterstone when uh, a young youth pastor by the name of Nick Lillo was sent down from Bear Valley Church, and Frank Tillapaw, the senior pastor at the time, said, hey, we need 100 people to go down and help Nick plant this new church. Well, here we are again, 35 years later, doing the same thing. We need 100 people from Waterstone, who will commit to go help this new movement called Resilience Church. And we're asking you to prayfully consider being a part of that. In fact, I would say this, if it's all tweaking in you at all by the Holy Spirit this morning, at least have a conversation with Danielle and with her leadership team. And again, through uh, the, the button on our website, you can be put in touch with Danielle, and at least have a conversation to hear more about Resilience Church. So pray, give, go. We're asking you to get involved in this movement uh, called Resilience Church. Would you join me in prayer as we pray over resilience? Lord, we just thank you so much for the word that Danielle shared today, the Great Commission. Lord, this, uh, this movement that Jesus started that is still going strong today, we are so hopeful and so humbled by the beauty and the power of Jesus Christ and how he is still just starting new churches to carry his mission and ministry into communities. So Lord, we wanna pray over Danielle, all her staff, especially over these next few months as they will be crazy busy getting ready to launch and prepare. Uh, We ask that you'd give them resources and especially give them people from Waterstone and from other places, people who are really uh, just called by you to help go and fulfill this commission this morning. So Lord, do your work, have your way. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen.